If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me uh, to the book of Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk. And if uh, you're not sure where Habakkuk is, uh, it's page 716 uh, in my Bible. But um, Habakkuk is one of those minor prophets. As I've said in the past, the minor prophets are minor simply because of the length of their books and not because of the content of their messages. Their messages were as important as those of the major prophets. The major prophets were essentially of the longer books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those are the major prophets. And then we get into the minor prophets. There are 12 of those, 12 books in the Old Testament. But turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. Habakkuk, chapter 2. And I want to share a message entitled, Positioning Yourself for the Answer. Uh, I I have, at least in my head, (laughs) the idea, of course, you know, these have not always been around. How many of you remember when the first satellite dishes sort of came out? Come on, anybody? I know there's a few of you. Yeah, some of you are like, I don't want to say when I remember the first, I saw the first... Come on, I remember. And you remember how huge they were? Somebody, for somebody to have satellite television reception, they had to have a satellite dish put in their backyard that was, I don't know how big it was. It was just, it was ginormous. It was huge. And, and the satellite would, you know, it would, it would sort of turn a little bit here and there. Today, the satellites that we have, you know, they slap them on the sides of buildings or on the roof, and, and then you wonder why your roof leaks, and you can't figure it out. It's because they drilled holes in your roof, and they didn't seal properly, but they put satellites out there, and they're just little, little round dishes. And these satellites are to pick up and receive a signal. Now, the signal is always being sent. In fact... I've noticed from time to time, I don't have a satellite, but I've noticed from time to time being in houses on a stormy day, a bad weather day, sometimes the signal gets a little messed up. I'm not here on behalf of the cable company, by the way, just so you know. Um, I'm not being paid by anybody. I'm just, just what I've seen. From time to time, the signal gets a little messed up because there are things in the way, weather clouds, whatever it might be, a storm, something is messing up the signal. Now, from time to time, if you were to take and actually turn, and I've also noticed from the neighbors that we have around, that all of the satellites on the buildings that are next to us are faced in the same direction. Now, I don't understand the technology, so I'm not going to venture to say why, but there is a reason for it. I know there is. And it's probably because that's where the satellite seems to always be as it's orbiting Earth, as it's going around Earth, somehow seems to always be in the right direction to pick up the best signal. And for those who think that was the most unscientific kind of explanation, you're absolutely right. I Forgive me for that. But this, the satellite is there to receive the signal. It is positioned properly 
to be able to pick up what is being sent to it. And there are times in our lives where we are not positioned, imagine ourselves, as a satellite. And as God always sending a signal, a signal being some kind of communication from Him, either through His Word or in prayer time through the Spirit of God which resides in you and lives in you if you're a believer in Christ. And, and He is always sending a signal, but from time to time we are not positioned properly. We're turning the other way. Maybe it is that, you know, it's like the old satellites. They get out of position and you've got to reposition them in order to grab on to the signal. And from time to time, we have to reposition ourselves and put ourselves in the right place in order to receive what God wants to say to us. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you with this, that God is always speaking but part of the problem is, is that we are not always in the position to receive what it is that he has to say. The Bible says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And what answer I am to give to this complaint. Well, stop reading right there just for a moment. Habakkuk is, the book of Habakkuk is, as you read it, you realize that essentially it is, at least in the first, first chapter, it is, Habakkuk is giving two complaints to the Lord. And the first complaint, God answers him. The second complaint, God is about to answer him now. And he gives this complaint. How many of you ever felt like complaining? Come on, I know you, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not supposed to complain, Pastor. I, I, I shouldn't raise my... You ever feel like complaining? How many of you ever complain? All right, good. We don't have liars here today. We have honest people, truthful. Habakkuk was one of those guys who looked around and he said, wait a minute, what's going on here? And he complains. But you know what? The best thing about it is is that he complains to the Lord. If you're going to complain, go complain to Jesus. If you're going to complain, go complain to the Lord. Don't complain to your neighbor. They can't do anything about your problem. They can't do anything about your trouble. you got to go complain to Jesus. And you know what? He's not going to say, shame on you. What's the matter with you? He doesn't do that. In fact, the Bible seems to indicate in chapter 1 that God answered Habakkuk's complaint. And God is about ready to answer him once again. The Bible says this in verse 2, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by faith. That verse of Scripture is also quoted in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament because it's all by faith and all about faith. But the righteous will live by faith. But I want you to see the prophet's position. 
This is vitally important. The prophet was positioning himself for an answer. Now, most of us would say, well, I'm just going to wait for an answer to hit me. Sometimes answers don't just hit you. You've got to position yourself in the proper frame of mind, in the proper way to receive what God has to say. Listen to what the Bible says that he is. He says this. He says, I will stand at my watch. I will look to see what he will say to me. The first thing was, is he was watchful. To position yourself for an answer from God, you've got to be watchful. You've got to open up your heart, the, 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 the eyes of your heart, to be able to see what God sees and how God wants things to be done. A lot of times we have in our minds how we think things ought to be done, but God has the perfect picture of what needs to happen, what is going on, and how it is that he wants to answer in your life. And you've got to position yourself in that way, even though... There seemed to be a delay for the answer. The one thing the prophet said is, I am going to stand watch. I'm going to stand watch. Some of you might have been believing God for something for a long, long time. Maybe it is that you're praying for something and you're praying and you're praying. And after a while, you get so tired because you know what? In the end, you're not seeing anything change. You're not seeing anything happen. And you say to yourself, what's the use? But you know what the Bible says here that the prophet said, I will stand watch. In other words, I'm going to position myself in the place where when God gets ready to answer me, when he gets ready to come to me and minister to me, then I am going to be ready to receive the answer. I'm not going to be caught off guard. I will be ready. The prophet remained alert, which is what the word watch indicates or it suggests. We don't receive an immediate answer a lot of times to our problem and we become so discouraged that we cease to be alert and watchful. We just say, I'm just going to give up. Can I encourage you today? Don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't, don't give up believing. Don't give up watching for the answer. It might be that you're praying for something and you're praying and you're praying and you say, you know, I'm getting tired of this praying because you know what? I don't see anything change. I, I don't see anything happen. But I, I, I want to tell you today that Habakkuk said, I'm going to stand watch. I'm going to position myself where the signal is coming from. And I know it's going to come and I know it's going to hit me. It was like the prophet Daniel, who the Bible says that he prayed, but for 21 days that it was the prayer was hindered it didn't come right away but brothers and sisters you got to stay in the position of hearing and and seeing what God wants to do and how he wants to affect your life so he watched he positioned himself to receive there's also also another part of this and that is listening the bible says i will look to see what he will say to me you see, the, amazing, the, the great thing about this is, is that you look at it and you say, but he says, I will look to see what he will say. It almost indicates that he's just waiting for God to speak, but he's not really interested in hearing what he has to say. I will tell you that if I have a face-to-face conversation with you, I understand better what you mean by looking at you than if I'm, you know, we're just on the phone or, you know, as we are want to do these days, we text we email, we do all kinds of things. But you know what? In the end, when it all comes down to it, for you to really get the heart to the heart of the individual and to see what's at the heart of that other person 
on, in the conversation of face-to-face. There's, there's nothing like it. Most will tell you these days, even in the sales world, salesmen are still going to meetings. And now with the advent of video conferencing, they're saying we got to do video conferencing. Phone's not enough. Phone is good, but phone's not enough. A face-to-face meeting. You get to get into that person's mind and get to understand a little bit more of what makes them tick. You see their facial expressions. You see what's going on. You ever, you ever, how many of you, I'm just curious, in the day and age that we live in, if you, you do email, you ever send an email and you kind of say something jokingly, but it's sort of a sarcastic thing, and it comes across not like a joke? And the people get mad at you and say, what did you say that for? I was joking. See, they didn't see the smile on your face as you were typing it, right? You can't transmit the, st- the smile. Well, you could if you took a picture, but you can't transmit the smile. St- it, it doesn't... You know, it doesn't work that way. He was looking, the Bible says, I was looking to see what he would say to me. In other words, it wasn't just, Lord, I'm going to hear an answer and listen to what you have to say. But you know what? He really wanted to get a hold of what was in the heart of God, what was in the mind of God, and what it is that God has to say. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing like a meeting with God where we come before Him and we throw ourselves upon Him and say, God, I've got to have you in this situation. I'm going to look to see what you have to say to me. We read it in His Word. We begin to see the heart of God come through in every one of our situations. We begin to see what God has to say to us as as we read the Word of God. And one thing that we need to learn from this is that the prophet expected God to answer. You see, God had answered once, but He expected Him to answer again. A lot of times we think, well, God answered once, but this situation is just too different and it's too difficult. God's not going to answer. And yet somehow we put ourselves in a position to somehow receive an answer. But we go there without any faith. He expected God to answer him. He expected God to come into this situation and to deliver a message to him that would encourage him, that would help him in his ministry as a prophet of God in that time, but also as somebody who is wrestling with the, I don't understand this God, and I don't understand that God. How many of us, live in, we live in a day and age where everybody's looking around, I don't understand that, I don't understand this. There's a lot of things that we don't understand. And yet we have to put ourselves in a position to hear what God has to say. We have to watch. We have to have listening ears. What is your position in relation to the thing that you have been praying for? See, the question is, are you really willing to hear what God has to say? Are you really willing to hear what God happens to have in his heart? Now, and this is, I'm going to refer back to this. You can take the time to read it a little later on. But the prophet Habakkuk begins to cry out, Lord, how long? How long? Lord, how long are we going to have to put up with this? And all of a sudden, God comes with his answer. You know what God answers essentially is? Here's his answer. As the prophet cries out, Lord, how long are we going to look around? We're going to see all this sin and all the things that are going on in the nation around us that shows how truly degraded we are. How long are we going to have to deal with this? You know what God says to him? He doesn't answer how long. He just says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, and they're going to come into the nation, and they're going to wreak havoc. What kind of an answer is that? Imagine. 
Lord, how long, how long? I'm going to do this. What? I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. That's not what I was looking for. I'm looking for revival. I'm looking for you to, you know, just pour out a blessing. I'm going to send the Babylonians, and they're going to cart people away. You see, he was ready to receive an answer, even though it might not have been the answer that he was looking for. Are you ready to receive an answer? One that you might not be looking for, but one that God is going to fulfill his purposes with. It's a tough, tough, tall order for us who have it all worked out in our minds exactly what God is supposed to do. But when you truly position yourself for the answer, you have to position yourself to receive the wisdom of God, receive what it is that God says you ought to have and you need to have in your life to begin to receive from God what it is that He knows you need. God knew what the Israelites needed. He knew, he knew what, what the people of Judah needed. They needed a strong arm of discipline. And so God was going to apply that. And God did just that. And he complains again and he prays again. But God brings about, when you see, this is the wonderful thing about this, is when you position yourself for an answer, get ready for God's proclamation. Get ready for him to come to you and to not stay silent. That's exactly what happened. The Bible says in verse 2, it says, the Lord replied. He didn't stay silent. He didn't draw back and, and just be, you know, not speak. But instead, he came with another answer. God is ready and willing to break the silence. But often we aren't in a position to hear what he has to say. We have to remember that he will not stay silent. So if he's not going to stay silent, then we better get in the right spot, in the right position to begin to receive what God has to say. Don't turn your satellite in the other direction. The answer's not going to be found there. It's only going to be found as you turn to him. If you're willing to receive his word on his terms, he will speak loudly and he will speak clearly just as he did to Habakkuk. And this is how he will speak. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says, write it down or write down the revelation and make it plain. See, God doesn't want there to be any confusion about the fact that he's going to do something on behalf of his people. His desire is to under, that we would understand what he was going to do would have a permanent and a lasting result. God is about delivering answers that will not just affect the now, but will affect the future. That will change the course of your life. That will change how things work out. God isn't just interested in changing the moment. Most of us are only concerned about the moment. Because that's all we can see. You see, the Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. So God's got the rest of your life worked out. Most of us are frantic about the here and now. God says, I'm not worried about that because I see what's down the road. And we've got to be ready. God wants to make it plain. We often stumble in our spiritual pursuit because a lot of times it's just too plain and it's too simple. Oh, God, God doesn't make it that simple. He doesn't make it that plain. Yes, he does. You see, the deeper you go in God, the more simple it becomes. A lot of times people think, oh, I've got to get into the, 
you know, I got to get into the deep things of God. You know? And they say God like it's spelled G-A-W-D. I got to get into the, you know, the deeper you go in him, the more you realize how simple he makes it for us. It's not about, you know, you got, some, you got stuff going on in your head. I've heard preachers on television and I, I, from time to time. I don't stay on the, I got to tell you, Christian TV and I don't get along very well. I'll admit that. It's probably why I've always rejected the idea of there ever being a television camera in our church services. And, and who knows, maybe one day that'll change, but not anytime soon. But, you know, I, I just, I have, I have such a hard time because they're saying stuff that I don't even understand. And I've been a Christian a long time and I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I study the Bible. I, I, you know, and they got things rolling around. That You know what? The deeper you go in God, the more simplistic it is. God wants us to understand that he has a plan for us, folks. And it's not so difficult that you can't reach out and grab a hold of it. That was just free. Listen to what else it says. That a herald may run with it. This lets us know that what God is going to do is absolutely certain. God's not going to expend the energy of somebody to get his message out if he's not going to do it. God is not going to take the time to speak and then say, okay, Habakkuk, write it down, put it on tablets, and now I want you to take somebody else, involve someone else in this process and get the message out there if God didn't have his mind made up. Brothers and sisters, he wants us to understand that he is ready and willing to deliver a message of hope to each and every one of us and to those that are in the world who are without Christ, who don't know Jesus. He is ready and willing and he wants us to be his heralds, his messengers, those who would take the message and run with it. If he didn't mean in his word, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed, then brothers and sisters, he wouldn't tell his disciples, go into all the world and deliver that message. Now, what's God's point in it all? Verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not Delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. This, these two verses show the wonderful content of the message of God. First, there is an appointed time for his plan to be revealed. The fulfillment of what the plan is is not always revealed right away. And we often get so frantic about it. But you know what the, the great thing is about God? He doesn't get frantic. He's not worried about your trouble. You know, he's not, he's coming, he's not coming alongside of you and saying, ooh, that looks tough. Not sure we can handle this. No, he's not frantic about it. But the Bible says it is for an appointed time. That appointed time, brothers and sisters, can we just... Get this for a minute. Is not your time. 
It's not your appointed time. God's got a different schedule book and appointment book than you do. God is not worried about how it is that you've got things planned out. He is concerned about His plan. He is concerned about making sure that His plan is worked in your life. Brothers and sisters, this is why we've got to position ourselves for the answer. Because when we do, we'll say, Lord, it is according to Your will and according to Your plan. And I'm going to step in with what You want to do. I'm going to get in line with You. Now, it speaks, the Bible says, of the end. This was a reference to the fact that God had told them, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. They're going to come in here, and they're just going to wipe the place out. Great, Lord. Can we talk again? All right, fine. It speaks of the end. This was a reference to the fact that the oppression of the Babylonian captivity would come to an end. In other words, there was going to be a point where the Babylonians would, would get to where they would be that instrument of judgment, but you know what? They were so evil in their hearts, God says, now they're going to come to an end. And I want you to know that you're going to live longer than they are. You're going to go past them. My nation, the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel, is going to go past the point where they will be dominating in the world. And I'm going to bring an end to those evil oppressors, and they won't be allowed to continue because God is going to bring their oppression to an end. Whenever God puts the oppression to an end, He starts something new. Whenever God delivers somebody, it is for newness of life. It isn't just so that the oppression will go away, it's so that then you will be productive in His kingdom. When God delivers somebody from alcohol addiction or drug addiction or prostitution or something else that has them so bound in their lives, i got to tell you, it's not so that the bad stuff just goes away. It is now so that He can use that individual to be what God wants them to be, to be a light to a lost and a dying world who can say with a sureness in their heart, listen, God did it for me. He can do it for you to it speaks of the end the end of oppression but you know what the people of Israel came back and God started something new God started something new in them when they came back from Babylonian captivity but listen to what else it says here is another part of God's point in this it will not prove false who's ever broken a promise Y'all so honest. We all, yeah, uh, my hands raised. Broken promises. From time to time, we've made a promise, either that we couldn't keep, we chose not to keep, didn't want to keep, didn't want to make in the first place, but nonetheless, we broke the promise. God never breaks His promise. The Bible says it will not prove false. God's not like you and me. He doesn't just say things to get you off his back. He doesn't just say things, ah, fine, go away. You know how we are with our kids sometimes. Oh, just fine, yes, have the cookie. Just get out of here, please. He, yes, I'll buy you, you know, whatever. And then we don't. You see, we parents, we, we choose to forget certain things, and kids, they never forget. 
He doesn't do that with us. It's not going to prove false. What he promises will come true. What he says he's going to do in your life, he will do it. The nature of man is that we sometimes do the opposite of what we have said. But God's not like that. The Bible says that he's not a man that he would lie. In other words, it seems to be by nature we have the tendency to be liars. But God will not and does not tell any lies. He will not say, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to help you. I'm going to minister you. I'm going to strengthen you. And then not do it. Say, well, then how come I feel so weak? Are you positioned in the right place? Are you watching? Are you listening? Are you getting into the word? Are you praying? Or are you just sitting around saying, somehow, God, you've got to infuse me with strength, but I have no time for you. Why would he ever do that? Why would he bother to give you what you need in life and give you what you need spiritually if you take no time to get into the word and get into prayer? If you are ignoring him, then somehow, come on, God, you're God, you're going to do If you're not, you're not getting into the word, seeing what he has to say, how can he minister his strength to you? The Bible says this, it tells us and it encourages us that it will certainly come and will not delay. we got to be patient for its arrival because the delay that we think is happening isn't really happening to God. You see, the amazing thing is, is for us, tomorrow hasn't come, but for God, it's, he's, he's past tomorrow, already there, been there, done that. He knows what's coming down the road, so you don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. But the Bible lets us know that that we've got to be patient, brothers and sisters. We've got to wait on the Lord. And we've got, as we wait on the Lord, the Bible also says in the book of Isaiah that we'll renew our strength. You see, if you're waiting, try waiting on the Lord. So that your strength gets renewed. If you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, you're going to get frantic. You're going to get upset. You're going to get worried. You're going to get all of those things. Wait on the Lord, the Bible lets us know, and you will renew your strength because God will deliver upon his promise. One of the reasons why we don't see the plan of God come about for our lives is that we get too impatient and feel as though we've got to sort of somehow take matters into our own hands. God does not want you messing with his plan. It's his plan, not your plan. Let him handle how it comes out in and through your life. We've got to just say, Lord, your will be done in my life. Now, what do we do? What are we going to do from this point forward? Very last phrase of verse 4. It says this. But the righteous will live by his faith. His faith. The faith of God. You ever find in situations that your faith just sort of dies out? Or it just falls off a cliff? You know, it doesn't die. It just, it's gone. No more faith. This is why we got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your faith. Have faith in God. We've got to trust in him. The righteous will live by faith. Everything is by faith from first to last. 
You don't start your life of faith by coming to the altar saying, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that your blood cleanses me from all sin. Lord, I repent of my sins. And we believe that that cleanses us from all sin. A very simple exchange with the cross. But then we start by faith, but then all of a sudden things come along. Lord, i got to finesse with this. i got to fix this. i got to change this. Lord, you're not doing this properly, Lord. i got to tweak this. Lord, i got to get out my screwdriver. i got to change something on this because, God, this isn't happening right. And somehow it ceases to be about faith. When we are positioning ourselves for an answer, we are still showing that we are dependent upon God that we are positioning ourselves in a place that says, Lord, I'm going to trust in what it is that you have to say and how you want to work and move in my life. I'm not going to try to tweak it. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to change it. But God, I'm going to believe and trust in your all-surpassing wise plan. It can only happen by faith, but my righteous one will live by faith. Brothers and sisters, there's no other way to do it. There is absolutely no other way to live a Christian life than by faith. How many of you are perfect? Yes, right. You can come and give me a little, you know, give me some lessons afterwards. None of us are perfect. There isn't anybody in this room. I know that oftentimes the world says, well, you've got to be perfect as, as a Christian. No, that's actually not true. That's a falsehood. There's nothing in the Bible that says we're to, we are to be holy. Holy is to be set apart for him. And that is we've got to be striving to be like Jesus. But you know what? In the end, we are still weak, frail flesh, humanity. But we have to live by faith. We cannot allow the enemy to come in and say, you know what, just do it, do it your way. Do it however you want. Position yourselves, brothers and sisters, for the answer because when you do, God will show up. He will speak. The Bible says in verse 2, God replied. The Lord replied. God had something to say. He did not stay silent. He did not stay, uh, stay back. He, he, didn't, he allowed the, the prophet to speak, say what he had to say, but then he brought an answer. Why? Because Habakkuk put himself in the position to hear the answer. What position are you in? What position are you in? Are you in the place where it is that you are trying to just do whatever you want to do? Say, I want to go to church because I think if I go to church, I'll go to heaven. Nothing, nothing ever says you go to church, you're going to heaven. Nothing. The Bible doesn't say that. We go to church because we love him. We go to church because the Bible tells us that we should for fellowship with one another, the gathering of the saints together. We need each other. We need to be encouraged in the Lord and in the word and all of that. But we don't go to church so that we can get to heaven. So position yourself for an answer, not just here in this building today, not just here in this place, but tomorrow when you go to your job, position yourself for the answer. Say, so when things are, are difficult, when you go home this afternoon, you might be reminded of, of the hell that you live in. 
you might be reminded of the fact that you live around neighbors who don't know Jesus and they don't care about Jesus. They don't love Jesus. They don't want anything to do with him. Are you still going to position yourself for the answer? Can we bow our heads today?